guess to start with the beginning of this, you're understanding your expectations in terms of meat quality. And this maybe isn't necessarily in terms of abscesses, but maybe it's, uh, hey, this is what we're looking at in terms of color, or marbling, or firmness, uh, those type of different things. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's issues with fat quality. I mean, Welcome to Meats Pat, a platform to share breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the entire meat industry. Be ready to hear from meat specialists who will talk about numerous topics in meat science, including animal welfare, meat production, meat quality, and so much more. This podcast is brought to you by the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, the national provisioner, Whirlpack, designed with intention for results that you can trust. And Dry Age Pro makes dry aging in-house, flexible, safe, and affordable. Hello, meat folks. Welcome to the Meat Spot Podcast. My name is Francisco Nahar. I'm your co-host today. It is a pleasure to have Dr. Phil Bass back on the Meat Spot Podcast. We have been having so much fun with him uh, co-hosting this interview. And, and here in a minute, I will have him introduce uh, our guest today. But it's been a, has been a good opportunity for us to have conversations with, with leaders and and meat scientists in the, in the industry in the U.S. and in and, and following episodes with, with other meat scientists around the globe. But let's start. And we received some questions from meat processors, small meat processors, and also retailers as to what to do when they encounter, when they find an abscess, more specifically in pork, and this is when they're procuring meat from a larger pork processor, what should they do? to have a more a more effective communication with a poor processor. And we have Dr. Dustin Morehauser from Smithfield Foods who will address some of these questions. Welcome Dr. Bass and Dr. Morehauser. It's a pleasure to have you again and, and how is everyone? Yeah, oh gosh, what another great uh, chance to pick the brain of somebody who's really in the business. And so uh, Dr. Morehauser um, and I go back a couple years um, in my, my a previous life. Um, he helped me do some work when I was with uh, Certified Angus Beef prior to where I am right now. Um, but uh, good times back then. Good uh, times. Well, those were good times, weren't they? And, and, and times are great too, you know, right now. Times are still great. Um, now, of course, Dr. Morehauser, you've you uh, a South Dakota native from and and did work at uh, South Dakota State University, um, and and moved all the way to Iowa uh, from South Dakota. Such a stretch. Such a stretch. I know, man. What a what a stretch. So, uh, but uh, you know, I mentioned we've done you and I have done a little bit of work uh, with beef in the past, but now you're now you're working in pork. And when Francisco and I were talking, um, you know, I, I I thought I I got the guy to ask the questions, um, and so. First First, I wanted to see if you could set the stage and tell us just a little bit about your role, your specialty with Smithfield Foods right now. All right, so I guess, uh, first of all, my title as I stand right now is Associate Port Quality Manager at Smithfield Foods. Again, like you said, I'm based out of our Denison, Iowa plant. Uh, we have nine different plants across the U.S., three out on the East Coast, five here in the Midwest in different states, and then one out in California that we kind of get to. Um, kind of my role, I kind of oversee pork quality in terms of uh, we work as an unbiased liaison to link our live production and our fresh meats groups uh, with a primary objective to maintain and improve any pork quality uh, concerns for our, our customers. 
with that, we try to provide technical support to different groups within the company that may need it, whether it be QA, sales, marketing, procurement, audits, whoever may come in contact looking for some scientific technical knowledge to help them out with different problems. Uh, we try to provide feedback for continuous improvement to our genetics group uh, in particular, because our genetics group, we have a pretty large genetics group that kind of runs a lot of our live production that we have today. So trying to provide feedback to them to try to create the best product that we possibly can for the company as well as our customers. Uh, we try to support our internal research as well as industry partners out there trying to look at different research as it pertains to fresh pork quality, uh, whether that could be something in terms of a nutritional change or diet approaches, uh, whether it's genetic issues, um, just those different types of things that we're trying to work with out there uh, in terms of research questions. Additionally, some other things we work on are just some technology development. I mean, there's always different technology we're trying to develop in terms of trying to assess meat quality. So if we're, there's any potential on some of those items, uh, we try to work with some of those partners out there to try to help those get developed for something that can be used in a practical application out in the industry. So that's just kind of the broad range of things that we do. I mean, we kind of oversee that's some of the overall goals of what we're trying to do, but day in, day, in, day out, we're just trying to make sure that we have a high quality product um, trying to monitor that at all different plants that we've got and just trying to make sure we have a high quality product for our customer to enjoy. Well, and you know, and, and that is a lofty goal, of course, you know, being the, the, let, let's, let's face it. The, one of the big industry leaders in pork production in North America, really, I mean, come on in the world, Smithfield foods is, is really one of the big leaders out there. And, and it's really cool to have this chance to kind of pick your brain on, on some quality things that our listeners have brought to our attention. Um, and one in particular, if I can ask you the question, has to do actually with, um, came from a, a retailer that was asking about what happens um, when they, if they opened up a package of say um, uh, uh, pork shoulders and, and they saw an abscess on there. Can you, can you, is this something that first off is, is it very common? Is it something that um, you're aware of and looking for in the processing side? Um, and what should they do to um, either mitigate that or, or at least communicate back with the processor? So that's actually a very good question. Um, in terms of abscesses, and I don't know if we need to go to a little background in terms of abscesses. Some sure, of those, go ahead. But I guess, first of all, I would say, I think abscesses are kind of a small percentage of what you're going to see. I mean, you do see some, um, yeah. but overall, hopefully that's less than, you know, 2% of what you see come through the day. It's kind of what you see, maybe some abscesses out there. In terms of kind of what, just wrapping your head around what they are, um, maybe what's causing them, it's kind of, kind of the background where I like to go with things, trying to troubleshoot. Um, so if you think about abscesses, I like to term abscesses and lesions kind of together. Mm -hmm. uh, abscesses are kind of more products, uh, just pockets of pus that contain dead cell material and large amounts of bacteria. Um, if you're a guacamole fan, um, unfortunately, that's a lot of times what this reminds me of. It's got that green look. And, and I really hate guacamole, so for me, this is a perfect, perfect, uh, perfect comparison. You do hate um, guacamole? I'm just not a big fan. I, I can't say I hate it. I'm just not a big fan of guacamole. It reminds Sorry. him of abscesses. Yeah, there's too much, too much right there. Uh, but to go with that, there's also what I like to term lesions. Um, I don't think they're quite like abscesses, they're more of a site of inflammation, I would say. Um, it's kind of a discoloration that can, and also contains some fluid or gelatin-like substance in that area. 
Um, but if you think about abscesses and why they're occurring, so we talked about there's a pocket of pus that happens. Um, it just contains a lot of bacteria. Um, so if you think about a pig, if something gets infected somehow, if the body trying to the, the pig's trying to fight an infection of some sort, um, that bacteria has entered the body in some manner in terms of whether it's some orifice or if there's a cut um, or just some sort of skin damage that bacteria came into and that body's trying to just just uh, you know, get rid of that and fight that infection. So what happens when that bacteria comes in and it's fighting this infection, it's walled off from the body tissue to a certain area, or it's just taken by the bloodstream to a different area to develop an abscess. And that's what's happening with that abscess. Now, this abscess could be caused by, I guess, just some sort of bite or a scratch. Uh, maybe it's from other pigs. It could be one, one main concern out there is tail biting, or you maybe just have some fighting uh, within pens. Um, you may have some in injury from the environment, whether there could be some sharp object, maybe your pens are damaged, you have one of the gates that you work with in your, in your facility is damaged, has a sharp edge that they're cutting on. Maybe the feeder's got something that the pig's up to and it's rubbing, rubbing on. Um, and you could have some sort of like surgery type thing that may have happened or um, just anything like that along the way. But a lot of times vaccination is one thing or just giving some sort of antibiotic or injection uh, is another source of some of these abscesses or lesions. And I think in particular, I think I talk about the uh, injection site lesions that I like to say, and especially in the shoulder, if you're looking at your Boston butt type area where you may see more of those incidences. And a lot of those just be caused by injections. I mean, it could be you had a poor injection in terms of your, your needle maybe wasn't very good or wasn't clean, wasn't a sterile neater, needle. Um, you could have some uh, just reactions to the specific antibiotic as well that might be causing some of those that inflammation in that area. So that's some of what's maybe what's going on there. Um, we've done some research looking at that ourselves uh, into some of those. I mean, we come across some of those ourselves, and I think that's some of the stuff that you find out. It's just so, some of those specificities for inflammation by those antibiotics. Um, but I think the biggest thing is trying to get back and trying to Make sure everything's being raised. It's good management practices in general, making sure your pens are in good shape, your feeders are in good shape. Um, hopefully you've caught anything in terms of trying to limit tail biting. So that's one thing in the industry, we try to do a lot of tail docking to eliminate some of that uh, or include different vices in, in there. So if pigs need to go chew on something, they're not chewing on other, other pigs, they're chewing on something else. So that's something else that's helpful as well. Um, in terms of whether a retailer has an issue with that, um, I guess that's one thing is we need to be aware of it as well. Hopefully we've got a good relationship with that retailer or that good, that customer along the way. So hopefully they can just give us some indication of, hey, this on this pack date, we run into a bunch of these. I don't know what happened. Um, just give us some sort of indication of day of production, timing, just all the, all the information coming back from the packaging to try to help uh, go back and see if we can try to identify the source is kind of where I come from on that. And that, those are great exam examples, and and a and I believe a a very generous um, look at you know what is an abscess and how do they happen. But then I like that you've brought in the idea of the lesions and 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 what what many may just assume may be an abscess. It it may it may just be a, a minor injury that just happens to right. be localized right there. Um, and it doesn't look good. Right. Um, if, and, and a lot of times, I mean, if you, if it's something too, that if we see come through in the plant, we'll obviously take care of and trim that sucker out, clean right. it. I mean, we aren't gonna send it to a customer if it's something, oh geez, we see these abscesses, oh, it's fine. We'll just send it to a customer. No, it's, 
everybody in the industry, whether it's us, Tyson, JBS, whoever's doing this, we're trying to make sure it's a safe product for the consumer as well. So if you see something like that, it's obviously definitely something you're trying to trying to trim away. Um, it's those that are, say for example, in a pork loin right up next to the next to the backbone, and you're selling a bone in loin, you send it to a customer to make, you know, just trying to put in a chops at the retail for the retail level, and they come across it as they're making chops. So it's something you couldn't see. Those are the the bigger issues I see in terms of uh, getting to a customer. Yeah. Well, and, and I like that you said, you know, the, the whole of the industry is trying to do the right thing and look out for these instances and as rare as they may be still looking out for them because it's the right thing to do for the customer. Right. Right. So, um, well, and, and you've mentioned already some other things, um, about what happens if a customer, and when I say customer, I'm talking about a retailer, um, or a processor that may be purchasing from a packer such as yourself, um, what they should be communicating. And you mentioned pack date, um, timing. What are, what are some other thoughts on uh, product traceability that, that a, a customer could con communicate to a processor? And what do you guys do when those instances occur? And it's not just abscesses, right? I mean, it could be- right. They don't like the color of the meat kind of thing. You know, what, what are some yeah. of the things that they can do to communicate that and maintain a good relationship with a, with customers and processors? I think uh, number one, I think is just trying to develop a good relationship with that customer uh, from a start. I, I think obviously if you're going to be doing business with each other, hopefully you should have a good relationship to start with um, a good amount of trust and everything. Um, I think to kind of go with that, if there are some issues that come up, hopefully I guess to start with at the beginning of this, you're understanding your expectations in terms of meat quality. And this maybe isn't necessarily in terms of abscesses, but maybe it's, uh, hey, this is what we're looking at in terms of color, marbling or firmness, uh, those type of different things. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's issues with fat quality. I mean, those are just kind of some expectations and maybe uh, the needs for that customer is what we need to take into account to begin with. So hopefully those are, hopefully those are laid out well in advance. Um, but I would say if, if they're noticing different things that come through, um, hopefully it's, I mean, hopefully there's rare occurrences and you can still give those back, but hopefully it doesn't all add up and it's, hey, we've got all these things. We're just going to dump on you right now. This is a cumulative thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if there are issues, we need to hear that information back. Um, like I said, there are ways to kind of track things back. If we have um, on packaging these days, we have all these different barcodes, ADC labels, everything else to kind of trace it back to time it was produced. Um, we may not necessarily be able to say, for example, this is the exact pig it came from, but this is the time frame where it came from and hopefully be able to narrow it down to, you know, instead of here killing 10,000 pigs or harvesting 10,000 pigs a day, I can't say it's off of this day. It's okay, maybe it's within these five loads that made up this stretch of a thousand head. Set back and identify different things at those locations of what was happening. And now, a little break. Since 1883, Ultrasource has been a trusted supplier to the food industry. Ultrasource provides superior kill floor, processing, packaging, and labeling equipment and operational supplies. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I got a question for you, Dr. Marhauser. Have you guys ever looked at or conducted any research looking at the seasonality effect on the incidence of pork abscesses? Have you guys seen any increase or decrease during the winter or in the summer? Uh, will you tell us, will you please tell us more about this? 
That's a good question that I don't know that I have the answer for. I guess we were trying to look into some different things of, and just in terms of some antibiotic issues of, we were noticing different sites, different locations that were having different, different levels of abscesses come through that we noticed, or those, those primarily not really even abscesses, more those lesion type surfaces that you're seeing on the, on the surface of the uh, uh, shoulders coming through. So we were trying to track that through and identify differences in terms of antibiotics that were causing this, if there was a reaction to the antibiotics, and that was more so what we were looking at on that. Well, and, and considering that the overwhelming majority of pigs raised in North America usually are in pretty well climate-controlled conditions, um, shouldn't be a lot of seasonality, but there's always the trucking challenges, right? You know, I mean, um, maintaining would, the welfare you, that way. Unfortunately, you still do have some seasonality to a certain extent. I mean, we try to control the environment as much as possible, but you still get, you know, here in South Dakota, Iowa, you get some of those days where you're coming up where it's going to be minus 30 without a wind chill, you know, versus summertime where it still gets up to pushing 100. We're trying to trying to keep it everything at a nice constant temperature year round becomes kind of a struggle. But I think they, everybody tries to do the best they can. But you still see some of those temperature swings, not to the extent of what you'd see if you just stood outside, but you still do see some of those swings in temperature. Right. Yes, there is definitely some trucking as well. I mean, if you're just tra transporting them, you're going to be exposed to that environment. Um, I think a lot of times you think about in the wintertime too, pigs sometimes only want to come out of the barn when it's, you know, negative 30 outside. They've been sitting inside where it's, maybe it's still only 50, but mm -hmm. it's an 80 degree temperature swing. If you think about it from them from going outside of the barn to the, just getting on the truck to come to the plant. I yeah. wouldn't want to do that. Right. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's encouraging these these animals that we work with and just work doing to our to our best ability, you know, maintaining their welfare and and using their own yeah, behavior, yeah. um, their natural behavior, um, to to try to help them along and move them through the process. So yeah. No, yes, great very point. much. Well, and and kind of to to wrap up the initial discussion of of maintaining that good relationship. And gosh, you know, for the, for the listeners out there that maybe are running a medium to small size processor, it, it doesn't matter the size. You could be the, 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 the volume that Smithfield's going through. You could be the small locker plant down the road. You have to maintain a good relationship with the customer and have open channels of communication, right? And, and something that I recall being more in the, in, when, when I was more in the industry side is, is, more information, the better for we can, so we can track down um, uh, to the closest point of origin on any of issues that may, may be around. And so you've mentioned, you know, lot numbers, um, uh, pack dates, establishment numbers. Oh my gosh, how, what a simple way uh, of, of traceability. Um, and it's so, so, but so effective too, right? Like we can, we can take it back to the location at least where that animal was processed. So, um, very, barcode. So it's a very good point. Yeah. How do I forget establishment number? Uh, yeah, that's well, a very that's the biggest <laughs> thing. Go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and for again, for those who are unfamiliar that you know maybe are are a custom operation out there or are a state run. 
there's still got to be some kind of connection back to the point of origin of where that animal was processed. And so for federally inspected locations, like, like one that Dustin is sitting in right now at this moment, um, you'll, you'll have an establishment number that's assigned by USDA to that plant. And it takes you to an actual geographical location and you know exactly where that animal was processed. And then you can start going backwards because some of the great things, um, again, about large or small, we have gotten so much better in the meats world of just documenting and writing things down, especially where animals are sourced from. Great. Um, you know, I, I, we always try to ask um, sometime during the discussion, and I think now's as good a time as any. Um, and, you know, we kind of do things backwards here on meats pad, but I like this. I like that we're a little bit different. Let's wrap this discussion up with, you know, we, I mentioned earlier on, you're from South Dakota. Now you're in Iowa. How did you get to Iowa all the way from South Dakota, Dustin? I drove the interstate, took the highway. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so I guess uh, growing up in South Dakota, and you brought up kind of a beef background with everything. And that's actually what I grew up with was a beef background, grew up with cows and kind of an Angus-based operation growing up. Really like the animal science side of things. So I went to school at SDSU and got a degree in animal science out there and stuck around and just couldn't get rid of me. So I got a master's degree and a PhD while I was there. And then they finally kicked me out. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but all joking aside, I guess I had a really good advisor up there or a couple of really good advisors up there. Uh, really started with Dr. Dwayne Wolf. Uh, really got interested in the meat science side of things, doing the meat judging team, work on the meat lab up there. Um, was really fortunate to have Dr. Amanda Weaver, who's now Blair, which I still have a hard time calling her Dr. Blair anymore. Still yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, really, really awesome experience to have her as a major professor or major advisor uh, going through and trying to complete my master's and PhD. Um, I was just very grateful to have those guys on my side. Um, and then as I got started here, I guess kind of Part, some things are a little bit of who you know. So I think uh, there is for those students out there looking to get connected out in the industry today, I think really need to make sure, take those opportunities, whether it's RMC, whatever meetings you can get to, to get, get out there with different industry folks, uh, make sure to do some networking. And actually uh, I met uh, Colette Caster on her way to RMC in 2008 when I was going to Florida. We actually sat next to each other on the plane, and that's kind of how I really got started talking and introducing myself to farmland and farmland introducing it to me back when it was farmland uh, back in those days. So trying to get, uh, get, get your foot in the door a little bit there. And then uh, luckily, uh, Dr. Roger Johnson, who has moved on from Smithfield now, was who I got hired with and worked with, a really great mentor. Uh, learned a lot from him in the last, I guess I've been here at Smithfield now for seven years. Um, so I really learned a lot from him and I'm just grateful for a lot of the people along the way to help me get to where I am right now. So, Well, and man, you, I mean, you hit it right on the head. You have, you've made the connections. Um, you have some amazing connections. I didn't realize that you, you had the opportunity to connect with Dr. Wolf um, back before he, he moved and started the fatted calf, which if you've never heard of that, go look it up. It's an amazing uh, mission that he's on uh, with, with that um, uh, meat uh, push down in Mexico. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, you, you're, you're, you've been with, with Dr. Blair, Dr. Weaver, Dr. Blair, um, and you've met Colette Schultz-Caster, who now, for those who, who are unfamiliar, is um, the current American Meat Science Association 
um, uh, CEO. And she's, she's just doing an amazing job pulling the team together, coming from industry, coming from pork industry and, um, and, and continuing to maintain that really cool drive. Um, you mentioned RMC reciprocal meat conference, which is, I call it the family reunion of meatheads every year. And unfortunately this year didn't happen, um, in a, in a personal sense, it was a virtual sense, but, um, you know, regardless of your connections, regardless of your networks, continue to reach out to others because that's what this is all about. And that's what Meatspads is all about, right? It's it's connecting others in the industry with the interest to experts in the industry. So really appreciate it, Dustin. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me today. It's been kind of fun to sit back and just have a nice little conversation with you guys. So. That's right. No, thank you a lot. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of our audience they will really benefit from from what we talked today. I think it's very valuable for them and, and for the meat industry in general. Like this uh, this thing may not happen every day, but when when it does happen, we would like to know what do they do. So but this is this is amazing. Thank you, Dr. Moore Hauser, for, for being here again uh, today. And I hope that we can continue these conversations uh, down the road. Well, thank you very much. I guess thanks for the invite. And hopefully we can continue a discussion again at some point down the road too. Hopefully if I don't see you guys again soon, hopefully I see you at RMC or other places along the way too. So absolutely. absolutely. Right. Thanks a lot. See you guys. That we end this episode. Thank you a lot for listening. If you'd like to receive notifications on the new releases and the new episodes, please subscribe at www.meatspad.com. If you're a small and mid-sized meat processor and you have concerns or questions about a certain topic related to, to meat science and meat processing, please email us at info at Thank you and see you the next time.